friends, welcome to another episode of Making Disciples, the podcast that tries to get down to the nuts and bolts of the Christian faith. What does it look like to be followers of Jesus? My name is Chris Rogers and I am your host and I love talking about discipleship. Um, Many of us don't even know what it means to be a disciple. A disciple is someone who's been apprenticeshipped in the way of Jesus. In the same way that years ago, you might have gone to work for a company as an electrician and you'd been put alongside somebody who uh, was already an electrician and they would show you the ways of what it meant to be an electrician. And they would do this in all lines of work. 2,000 years ago, this is how Jesus made disciples. He spent time with people and while walking with them, apprenticeship to them in the way of Jesus. And this podcast is trying to be that. I'm trying to walk with you and explain Christianity in such a simple way that it just makes sense. And in this podcast, we're going to be talking about waking up to your discipleship. Simply put, many of us seem to think it's somebody else's responsibility to grow uh, our faith. So we're going to be exploring in this episode how we wake up and come to realise it is our responsibility uh, to be the ones in charge of our discipleship. So friends, here's another episode of Making Disciples. I want to start by asking you a question today. Whose responsibility is it? Uh, to form you and grow you in your faith? Whose responsibility is it to disciple you? And there's a danger in society that we've professionalised everything. Everything is done now by professionals. Uh, So uh, we end up thinking that it's somebody else's responsibility to do things all of the time, uh, when actually sometimes it's our responsibility. Uh, We've over-professionalised some areas and therefore we think it's somebody else's responsibility. I'm a church pastor. I care for my church. And it is just interesting how many people seem to think it is my responsibility to disciple them. Friends, it is your responsibility to make sure you are being discipled. It's my job to create an environment where we can provide uh, things for you so that you might flourish and grow, but it's your responsibility to learn. Uh, Nobody else can force you uh, to learn. This is your responsibility. We've over-professionalized it. I love in Mark 8, 34, Jesus turns to a crowd of people and uh, to his disciples and says, if you want to be my disciples, pick up your cross and follow me. In other words, if you want to be my disciples, uh, you've got to die to yourself. And he uses this phrase, pick up your cross. It doesn't say there, if you want to be my disciples, make sure you've got a church leader that will pick up your cross for you. Or if you want to be my disciples, make sure you've got a youth worker who will pick up the cross for your young people. It says, if you want to be my disciple, pick up your cross. It's our responsibility to be actively involved in our discipleship. This is uh, what we are meant to be uh, doing and kind of involved with for ourselves. Becoming an adult is about taking responsibility for yourself. When I grew up, it was no longer my mum's responsibility to remind me every day to clean my teeth. It's up to me. If I clean my teeth or not, it is up to me. If I have a wash every day, it is up to me. If I wash my hair, uh, it is up to me. If I put on clean clothes, it's up to me because I'm an adult. And as an adult, I take responsibility for myself. In the same way as people who are being discipled in the way of Jesus 
as adults, we take responsibility uh, for ourselves. And there's a danger, friends. I think that we box areas of our lives. We end up saying, well, that is my workplace and that's my family and that's the church. And we almost end up saying, well, that's the secular parts of my life. And this is the sacred parts of our, my lives. And there's a danger. We end up boxing areas of our lives. And what Jesus is looking to do in, in our lives is to help allow uh, the whole of our lives to be shaped by him. He wants us to surrender all areas of our lives over to him. Discipleship is about the whole of our lives being surrendered to the whole of Jesus and letting the whole of Jesus shape and transform our lives. And what we end up doing sometimes is areas of our lives end up under the influence of Jesus. And then there are other areas of our lives that are under the influence of our workplace or over the influence of our relationship, our marriage, uh, over the influence of our family or maybe uh, maybe cultural values around us. So we end up being wonky Christians because some areas of our lives are under the influence of Jesus and others aren't. And sometimes, friends, it's really hard to see what are all the areas that Jesus wants to influence in our lives. I work with a lot of new Christians. And as people come to faith, it's really interesting to see which areas of their lives they think Jesus is going to be most interested in right at the very beginning of their life. And Part of my job is just opening people's eyes up to seeing that there's more influence Jesus is wanting to have over their lives than they realise. You know, we often say in the church that, you know, your wallet is the last thing to be converted. You know, as people come to faith, uh, lots of areas of their lives are being shaped around the way of Jesus. But actually the wallet, now that is the last thing. It's like the most difficult thing uh, to be shaped in the way of Jesus. So we end up boxing our lives and containing our lives. And Jesus is in the business of, of wanting just to show us the whole breadth of what he wants to do with us. He wants to transform all of us so that we're completely healthy and not somewhat healthy. So Jesus is approached one day. Jesus, how do I get eternal life? Jesus says, how do you read the scriptures? And, and this young man responds to Jesus. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. So Jesus uh, is approached one day uh, and he gets asked many times in, in slightly different ways. How do we eternal life or what is the greatest commandment? And the, the, the response is always love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind and your strength. And one of the ways that I love to talk about this, uh, discipleship is allowing God uh, into all areas of our lives and allowing ourselves to love him with our heads, our hearts and our hands, which is just my simple way of trying to use uh, that passage from Deuteronomy 6. Eight. Love the Lord your God with your heart, your soul, your mind and your strength. It's, it's like he's saying love God with your head, your heart and your hands. And friends, there is a danger that we become wonky sometimes. Sometimes the things that we're passionate about can end up creating this wonkiness in us. And let me just walk this through. It is possible to uh, be aware of Jesus, to know Jesus, to know the teachings of Jesus, to know what Jesus did and what Jesus said and who we spent time with. And our heads become crammed full of knowledge of Jesus. 
and our, our minds are full, but we don't actually know what to do with it. So we've got heads full of knowledge. Friends, people who have got heads full of knowledge of, of a historical character are called historians. And for some of us, we're, we're great historians of Jesus. We know what Jesus did. We know what Jesus said. But it's head knowledge. And we've got these big heads and we're not sure what to do with it beyond that. Now, there's others of us that are a bit different. There are some of us who, for us, faith is about serving and serving the poor and, uh, and loving others. And because of our faith, we end up loving running food banks. We, we love running debt management programs. We love running youth works. We love running uh, homeless shelters and feeding the homeless. And we've got these giant hands. We've got massive hands because we love serving. Because, you know, we see Jesus do this, don't we? We see Jesus washing the feet of his disciples and we hear Jesus calling us to be people who wash feet. So we do. We wash and wash feet and we serve people and we love people. So we've got these giant hands. But he wants to say to us, friends, why, why do we do this? What's the reason why we're doing these things? We might say, actually, I don't, I don't know. It's about being nice, isn't it? No, it's not about being nice. It's more than that. So we, lo- we might love serving the poor, we might have big hands, but we don't know why we do it. And then you've got this other group of people They've got massive hearts. Like their hearts are absolutely huge. They love worshipping God with the whole of their heart. Uh, they love praying about the injustices in the world. And they've got big hearts uh, for injustice and mercy. And they've got these big, big hearts. And it breaks their heart what they see is happening in the world. And their hearts are broken like God's heart is broken. But they sit there and... Um, the response is, well, I'm going to pray. I'm going to, uh, friends, prayer is brilliant. Please don't hear me say that. But they sit there praying and praying and praying, um, but never actually turn it into physical action, physical response. Uh, I've got an amazing group of, of women that I know who go to a prayer meeting, a church meeting. They go on a Friday night. They arrive there at six and they stay at church all Friday night, all Saturday, all Saturday night, Sunday through till six o'clock Sunday night. It's a whole weekend of prayer and worship. They've got massive hearts. But when I said to them, what does your church do to deal with the homeless problem around your, your church community? They said, oh, no, no, no. We, we, like, we pray about those problems. Oh, God, you know, we pray to him about the problems. I said, well, what do you do to actually get your hands dirty to be prayer in action? Oh, no, no, we don't do that. So it's possible to have massive hearts, but never actually turn it into action. And there's a danger that some of us have got massive heads, got lots of history. Some of us have got massive hands because we love serving others. Some of us have got massive hearts and we love prayer and we love worship. But actually, Jesus tells us to love the Lord your God with all your head, your heart and your hands. So it's possible to have massive heads and tiny hands like dinosaurs. Uh, you know, little dinosaur hands. It's possible to have massive hands, uh, but tiny hearts or tiny heads. So we become wonky. And what Jesus is inviting us into as disciples is to be people who allow Jesus to influence all areas of our lives. Discipleship is this. Discipleship is allowing God's influence in our lives. So God wants to have influence on your mind. He wants to influence the way that you think, the way that you reflect, the way that you see the world around you. He wants to influence your understanding of the world around. I would say God wants to influence your understanding of politics. 
I would say that God wants to influence your understanding of other people groups. Uh, God wants to uh, shape your understanding around other religions um, to understand and see where they're coming from. God just wants to shape your, your mind. And um, I love it when Jesus turns to Peter one day and says, Peter, he says, you've got the concerns of man, not the concerns of God. And it seems that some of us, our minds are concerned by human concerns, not by God concerns. And Jesus wants to influence our mind to shape the way that we think so we have God concerns. In the same way, God wants to shape uh, your hands. He wants to shape what you do with your resources and with your time. God is giving you gifts and talents and resources in your hands. And God is wanting you to use these things for the purposes of his kingdom. You know, Christ has no hands in the world now, but yours. Jesus wants to shape your hands and have influence over your hands. In the same way, Jesus wants to have influence over your heart. What breaks your heart? What makes you angry? What things do you um, have a hard heart towards? Jesus wants to influence your heart so that your heart is soft, it's pliable, it's interesting, uh, interested. Uh, God wants your heart to be soft, caring, compassionate, merciful. He wants your heart to be broken for the things that break his heart. He wants you to care about injustice and poverty. And, um, you know, a little while ago, I was watching one of those comic relief videos where they, they go to a place and they show you a real uh, graphic set of video footage that's meant to break your heart. So you open your wallet and you give cash. I remember watching this and I had compassion fatigue. I was burnt out. I remember watching this comment relief video and thinking to myself, meh, I don't care. And I realized in that moment, I'd got compassion fatigue. My heart had just become hard because I was burnt out. And Jesus wants to do heart surgery on us so that our hearts are broken for the things that break his, that we care for the things that break his heart and that our hearts are aligned with his heart. So God wants in your discipleship to form you in your head, your heart and your hands. I want to tell you a story. It's a story of a rabbi called Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva was a rabbi that existed about 20 to 30 years after Jesus. He ministered around Galilee. In fact, he came from Capernaum, which is where uh, Peter came from. And uh, in this story, Rabbi Akiva, uh, he'd become one of the great rabbis in the region. Now, he was a Jew. He was not a Christian. He was a Jewish rabbi. And he was teaching uh, across the region and training up new rabbis. And one day, this young man comes to Rabbi Akiva and says, Rabbi Akiva, how do I become the greatest of your Talmudin? Talmudin literally means as disciples. Uh, Rabbi Akiva, how do you become the greatest of your disciples? And Rabbi Akiva turns to the boy and says, boy, how do you read Deuteronomy 6, 8? And the boy says, I love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. Rabbi Akiva says, good, that's great. Tomorrow morning, turn up to the synagogue, 6 a.m. So Rabbi Akiva arrives at the synagogue and as he comes in the synagogue, there's all his disciples sat on the floor and there's the boy. And Rabbi Akiva says to them all, every day we will gather together in the synagogue at 6 a.m. Uh, where we will pray together. 
and then at 10 a.m. we'll leave the synagogue and we'll head out into the village and we'll give blessings to the widows and the orphans. We'll serve those in need. And then he says at four o'clock we'll gather together at the synagogue again and we'll read the Torah, the scriptures together. That's the first five books of the Bible. So the boy's very excited and Rabbi Kiva notices over that first week, the boy's there at 6am prompt, he's there at 10am serving the widows and the orphans, he's there at 4 o'clock in the synagogue learning about the scriptures. And then Rabbi Kiva notices at the end of the first month, the boy is no longer turning up to the 6 o'clock prayer meeting, but he he is turning up to the 10 o'clock to serve the widows and the orphans and he's turning up at 4 o'clock to read the scriptures. So Rabbi Kiva thinks, do you know what, I'm going to sit back, I'm going to watch and see what he does. Another month goes by, and Rabbi Akiva notices the boy's not turning up to the six o'clock prayer meeting, neither is he turning up at ten o'clock to serve the widows and the orphans. But the boy is turning up to read the Torah, the scriptures, at four o'clock. So Rabbi Akiva watches him a little while longer, and he notices that the boy isn't turning up at six or at ten, he's turning up at four. But in fact, he's turning up hours early to the synagogue. So Rabbi Akiva goes to the synagogue, he arrives early, and there's the boy, sat with the scrolls, and he's reading from these old scrolls, studying the scriptures. And Rabbi Akiva approaches him and said, Boy, how do you read Deuteronomy 6, 8? And the boy says, Love the Lord your God, well, your heart, or your soul, or your mind, and all your strength. Rabbi Akiva says, Great. If that's true, then why have you neglected loving God with your heart and your hands, but you have elevated loving God with your mind? like a drop the like moment. I love that story. He was a boy that wanted to be a devout, devoted disciple of Rabbi Kiva. And when Rabbi Kiva says to be a devoted uh, disciple of mine, you need to love God with your head, your heart and your hands. And here we have a boy who over a period of time uh, starts elevating the head over the heart and the hands to the point where he's becoming an academic. He's becoming this uh, head strong historian of the way of God. Rabbi Akiva kind of challenges him and says, why have you elevated that one area over your heart and your hands? You see, friends, Jesus wants to have influence over your head, your heart and your hands. He wants you to love him with your head, your heart and your hands. And he wants to have influence over your head, your heart and your hands. And he wants to shape you into his likeness. And to shape you into his likeness isn't just about you doing the things that Jesus did. It's also about having a heart that's broken for things that breaks Jesus' heart. And it's also about having a mind that's shaped around the concerns of God rather than human concerns. So what God is wanting to do is shape you in your head, your heart, and your hands. And I've been doing some time just trying to think, how do we do this? How do we take stock, really, of how we are doing in these three areas of discipleship. Particularly when many of us, it's hard for us to know what are the, what is the full areas that God wants to have influence over your life. So I've been working on an assessment tool, and I want you, want you to just do this with me. And as I set you off on this, it might be that you just want to hit pause, and you want to go off and do this, and then come back and just listen to the rest of the podcast. But what I would love you to do, I want you to go to a website right now, uh, I want you to go to wearemakingdisciples.com. Wearemakingdisciples.com. I want you to type that into whatever you use, your iPad or your uh, non-branded internet device. I don't know what you use. Wearemakingdisciples.com. When you load up that website, there's a tab that simply says, find your shape. I want you to explore what is your discipleship shape. 
And what this little assessment is going to do is help you look at all areas of your life that Jesus wants to influence and give you an idea of the areas that you might want to invest into. So if you head there now, we're making disciples.com, go to find your shape. On find your shape, you'll see that there's a list now of 20 questions. And all I'm going to invite you to do is go down those 20 questions and give good reactions to them. Don't, don't overanalyze. And there's a sliding scale. And the sliding scale is in every way, somewhat or not at all. And all I'm going to invite you to do is to take this simple test and put the slider on that scale where you would put it. So the first question is, how much of your day-to-day life changes as you think about what it means to live for Jesus? How much of your day-to-day life is changing as you think about what it means to live for Jesus? And I want you to just put that marker on in every way, somewhat or not at all. And be honest with yourself. And then just move on to the next question. How committed are you to the local church community? In every way, somewhat, not at all. How much would you say your faith leads you to serve and care for others? In every way, somewhat, not at all. And I'd love you to go through those 20 questions. Now, there's always one question on here uh, that ends up uh, tripping people up. Uh, And I'll, I'll give it to you now. It says, one of the questions says, how willing are you to put in place helpful boundaries? One of the ways that Jesus wants to influence your life is that you put in helpful boundaries, boundaries around your money, boundaries around your sex life, boundaries around what you watch and what you consume and how much you drink, uh, who you spend time with. And also God wants you to put boundaries in about what time you go to bed. Um, some of us, we, we're so desperate to be the saviour of the world and the saviour for others that if the phone rang at half 11, you would pick it up because you want to uh, solve that person's problem. But actually helpful boundaries and healthy boundaries means, you know what, after nine o'clock, I'm just not going to answer the phone. And it's about you being healthy and caring for yourself. So how willing are you to put in place helpful and healthy boundaries? Jesus would always go off to a quiet place to pray. He was putting in boundaries. He would say when it was time to leave places. So uh, I want you to do this assessment tool now. And once you have done it, uh, you might want to hit pause now, but once you've done it, uh, just press play again. So here we go, hit pause, three, two, one, pause. Now, hopefully you've done the assessment tool. If you haven't, please do just play along. And at the end of this podcast, just go off and give this a go because sometimes we just need to take stock on how things are actually going. And when you do the assessment tool, what it's going to give you is what's called a discipleship shape. And it's just going to show you, friends, which area of head, heart and hands do you have a bias over? Are you a head Christian and less so a heart and hands? Are you a hands Christian, less so head and heart? Or... It could be that you're a head Christian and a hands Christian, but not a heart Christian. So all you're going to do is just look at where over your discipleship shape you need to be investing a bit of uh, of your time. And if you are somebody who notices that actually when it comes to head, you've you've not got so much going on in that. It's it's less about reading scriptures, less about the Bible, being having your mind formed, but you're very active. You might want to put some things in place that helps start working and strengthening that area. Same with your hands and, and same with your heart. So all you're going to do is uh, do the assessment tool, see your shape, and then ask yourself this question, which area is the area that you recognise uh, you need to do some investment? Which area do you want to grow in? Uh, which area do you need to spend some time investing into?
And what I want to do now, uh, in, in our last few moments together, if you've done your assessment shape, you'll notice there is one area or two areas that you're like, do you know, I want to put more investment into my head, my heart and hands. I want to give you just some, some, some simple tips. And uh, first, let's start with head. If your head and your mind, your understanding is the area that you want to invest into, I'd love to encourage you to do something uh, called the Swedish Bible study. I love the Swedish Bible study because I, it made me realise that I don't need another book to read the Bible. In other words, you don't need a magic book to help you read the magic book. Uh, sometimes people buy daily plans, reading plans, Bible plans. But actually, the Swedish Bible study gives you five very simple questions to ask of any Bible passage. So wherever you might pick up the Bible and start reading the Bible, here's five questions you could ask. And the great thing is, each question is attached to an image. So I'm dyslexic, so I remember the five images, and that helps me remember the five questions. So the five images are a light bulb, a question mark, a love heart, two people, and an arrow going outwards. So let me explain this to you. Whenever I read a Bible passage, uh, I would ask these five questions. So question number one, light bulb. The light bulb says to me, what have I just read that's been like a light bulb moment? Where have I just seen something maybe that I've never seen before? So what is the light bulb moment for you? Second is question mark. What questions come out of this little Bible passage that I've just read? I jot those down because I want to go and find out the answers to those questions. The next one is a love heart. What does this passage tell me about the heart of God? What does it tell me about God? The two people, what does this passage tell me about humanity? And the arrow pointing outwards, what changes today because I've read this passage? What am I going to do differently because I've read this passage? So if you are a, somebody who wants to grow it in your mind, then using this Swedish Bible study is great. You might want to start with the Gospel of Matthew or the Gospel of Luke and very take a very small passage of the Bible and just ask those five questions. Uh, is there a light bulb moment for you? Is there a question that comes up the passage for you? What does this passage tell me about the heart of God? What does it tell me about humanity? And what do I do differently tomorrow because of this question, uh, because of this passage? And, and those questions will just help form for you a daily habit of being able to allow the Bible to shape your thinking. If your heart is the area that you recognise you need to invest into, actually that final question of the Swedish Bible study is the one I want you to focus on. What changes for you today because of what you've heard from me or what you've read uh, in the Bible? Whatever we are brought from any wise source uh, or from the Bible, we must ask ourselves what changes. If we don't, we stay where we are. And the Bible is always wanting to shape the way that we see others and shape ourselves and what we're passionate about and what we should be passionate about. And we need to be asking ourselves, what changes for me, particularly in my heart, because of this passage? Is there something that should be unlocked in my heart because of what I've just read? Um, so if, you're, if you want to grow in your heart, then, then that might be the question for you. If your hands is the area that, you know, you just need to activate now what you know about Jesus and what's in your heart, you need to activate it with your hands. I want to encourage you to do this. Do one thing a day that blesses somebody else without them knowing that you've done it. And it might be that you sign a petition. It might be that you buy a chocolate bar. It might be that you write somebody a note. It might be that you buy them a gift. It might be that you do something uh, to support somebody else in some way. But every day, do something that will bless someone else 
without them knowing who it was who did it. So in other words, activate your hands in just doing something that brings about blessing in other people. So the greatest commandment is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind and your strength. You know, loving God with your head, your heart and your hands. Friends, Jesus wants to have influence over your whole life. He wants you to take responsibility for the whole of your life and allow him uh, to shape and form the whole of your life. Which area do you need to grow in? Is it your head? Is it your heart or is it your hands? Is there an area of your life where you are dominant? Are you a historian of Jesus, but you've yet to turn it into action? Are you somebody who very much does the work of Jesus, but actually doesn't know why they do it? So I want to encourage you to just look at yourself and reflect on yourself. What do you need to grow in? Now, friends, if you've done that assessment tool online, log in, put your email address in there, create an account, uh, because you're able to then start getting... um, emails, you'll start getting articles that will just help form you and help shape you uh, in the areas that you need to grow. So I want to encourage you uh, to keep going back to that assessment tool and just keep seeing where things are growing and where things are shaping up differently in your life. So friends, are you a head or a heart or a hands Christian? Are you a wonky Christian or are you being shaped in all of those areas? And Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, pick up your cross and follow me. Pick up who you are your entire life. Die to yourself that Jesus might have influence over the whole of your life. Friends, have a great week and until next time, grace and peace. Oh, oh, oh.